I also had to decide at that point what fish tank I wanted to swim in. And the, the fish tank that I was in was a wonderful fish tank, but it was small. And I had, I had done great things with the organization that I was at. And I had to ask myself, do I want to get uncomfortable? Do I want to be in a bigger fish tank that I have to explore and navigate? Or do I want to stay comfortable where I'm at? And I deeply feel that we do not grow when we're comfortable. We have to jump into the unknown to, to get uncomfortable and to, to grow. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. I am thrilled to announce that I've written my first book. It's called Values First. How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories from coaching clients using the Values First framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you in Values First. Values First will be launching and available for purchase on April 12th. I want to make sure that you are the first to know about every book launch activity that we have in store, including the minute that the book is available and every online and in-person book launch celebration. So stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. This week, we are celebrating and highlighting a leader's career journey. I'm excited to introduce you to April Grandominico. April is an area vice president in the healthcare imaging market, thriving on deep collaboration with key stakeholders to drive improved patient care pathways. April is also a mom, wife, and household CEO juggling the day-to-day balance that we all strive for. We talked about her early career transitions, how being open to learning helped her build her career and her leadership style of candor, how she grew her career and her family at the same time, and how she leads with her values of compassion and integrity to develop her team for success and to have difficult conversations. We also talked about how to shut down your inner critic. I cannot wait for you to learn from April's experience. She's a great example of a leader modeling their boundaries, making mistakes and learning and empowering individuals to watch them grow. Let's get started. Well, welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm so excited to have you here, April. 
Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Laura. Um, before we get started, I would love for us to hear your story. Can you tell us a little bit more about your like kind of life milestones in your career? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in a small town um, called Dalton, Georgia. And I, after college, I had, as many of us do, we walk out of college thinking that we're going to set the world on fire and cure cancer. And I, I got out of college and um, my degree was computer engineering. And no one would hire me as a, as a computer programmer. No one wanted a um, blonde, extroverted female in programming, regardless of my skill sets. And it turned out to be a blessing for me. I was hired by a small company um, named iPro. And working for a small company gave me a lot of opportunities to look at how a business is run. I, I gained experience in project management, in, in working the, the support desk, um, you know, getting, getting back to the basics and really, and I, and I got a, a, a tremendous amount of experience working for a smaller company. And one of those experiences later in my tenure at the organization was doing sales demos. I would get to sit in front of radiologists and I would get to sell them the software feature sets that we were that we were um, providing to them. And I found a love for that. I found a love for collaborating with a customer, understanding what their needs were and opening up a dialogue with them to meet their needs. And I realized later in my career that like a light bulb went off. I was like, wait, I, I want to run a business. That's what I want for myself. And I also acknowledge that if I want to run a business, I really had to understand the blood of an organization, which is sales, right? You, you can have the heart pumping, but unless you have the blood running through the body, it, it, you're, you're not going to sustain life. And I um, went into sales and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. It was also one of the scariest. I took a pay cut, went into sales and I flourished. I, I was number one the first year um, out of uh out of um, iPro. And uh, I, the man that hired me really took a chance on me. I was not a proven sales executive, but I was hungry and I was coachable and moldable. And they took a, they took a, a big risk on me and I grew tremendously. It was a wonderful opportunity for me. And um, from there, I landed at Siemens Healthcare. And it's also been a tremendous opportunity for me driving the, the product specialist and, and, and we own a quota. We actually drive sales for the organization through our business line. So, you know, I, I think that the lesson I had was just because you think you're going to fit into this box, be open to the other opportunities that, that unfold in front of you. Because I definitely did not foresee myself as a business manager or being in sales when I got out of college. I love that so much. And um, it felt like a pretty significant career change going from that computer engineering to sales. Like, so you described yourself as like an extrovert before. So how did kind of knowing yourself and knowing your strengths kind of guide and help you into that transition? Because you said that they, they kind of took a chance on you. They did. They took a chance on me, but I was very blessed that I was surrounded by individuals that I trusted and, and they were, they really helped the young woman that I was see and, and acknowledge and accept the inner truth of myself that that was a noble career. Um, you know, I come from a family that either worked in healthcare or their, you know, my grandfathers were um, in science in the military. You know, it, it took me having to step out and acknowledge that, yeah, I could be good here. And I was blessed that I was surrounded by really, really talented individuals that I've trusted that could coach and guide me. You know, sales at the end of the day is understanding your customer and having a dialogue and understanding what their needs are. 
And, you know, we can overcomplicate that, but it would, that's something I'm good at is connecting with people and understanding what their, what their goals and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, so it's been a really great career for me. It was scary, but it was great. And so, um, as you built that career, can you tell me a little bit more about how you built and continued to develop yourself and your team when you went from, um, iPro to Siemens and what did that look like? Like how many people were reporting to you? What did that structure look like in the organization? Yeah. So I uh, moved, I, when I went to Siemens, I was something called a zone business manager for x-ray products. And I had five direct reports and we were focused on one vertical, which is x-ray units. Um, so, um, you know, when we were a kid, we had the floppy film and uh-huh. we had this- or we are doing the digital version of that, making those images digital. So they're quickly sent to the radiologist for review. At that point, I was coming into myself a lot. And again, I was blessed to be surrounded by really amazing leaders. And I will say that you can become anything you want as long as you, you are open. You're open to learning. We're never done learning, right? And I had to learn a new organization, a huge organization, which was intimidating, and also find my leadership style. And with my team, I, I found very quickly that my leadership style was um, one through of just complete radical candor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we developed a really tight um, team, but we were always open and honest with each other. Even when the feedback was hard to give, we created a safe space and we were always very open and direct with one another. I love that. And that culture that you built with your team seems very intentional. Yes, extremely intentional. I, you know, I, I don't want anyone to feel like, I lead through a title, a title. And I tell my team members all the time, yes, I may have a fancy title, but at the end of the day, we all have a job to do. My job may have different goals and responsibilities under it, but we are all here to support one another and achieve the same goal. And that is to to drive market share growth in the market. It's very simple. I feel like leadership is where I was meant to be. And it really gives me energy when, when you think about like what fills your cup at the end of the day, watching my team members thrive. I often tell them when I see their wings spread and they start flying on their own, there's not a greater accomplishment for me is to see that energy from them and that confidence in all of my team members. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that so much. As you, so as you grew your career at Siemens, um, what career shifts did you make and how had, how did that coincide with family and your values and like just life stuff. How, how did that work? And can you tell me a little bit more about your career growth there? Yeah. Um, and I'll answer that in two ways. So when I became a mother, we were living in New Jersey and New Jersey is a great place to live. We were close to the city. There was a lot of benefits, but we were so far away from home and we were far away from our networks. And there was a realization that this is not where I wanted to be to raise my little girl. And when she was 18 months old, I accepted the role with Siemens and moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. And it was scary because I'm changing careers. We have a little girl now, but I I truly believed that it was the right move to make as a mother because she, she is also important. My career is extremely important to me. My husband and my marriage is important, but she matters as well. And I, it mattered where I was raising her. And I also had to decide at that point what fish tank I wanted to swim in. And the, the fish tank that I was in was a wonderful fish tank, but it was small. And I had, I had done great things with the organization that I was at. And I had to ask myself, do I want to get uncomfortable? Do I want to be in a bigger fish tank that I have to explore and navigate? Or do I want to stay comfortable where I'm at? 
And I deeply feel that we do not grow when we're comfortable. We have to jump into the unknown to, to get uncomfortable and to, to grow. As far as today, one of the things I've worked on really hard being a mother is, is giving myself grace. Women, and I, I'm going to say women I'm broadly here, I tend to be a perfectionist. I tend to be incredibly hard on myself. I think that I have to do everything perfectly. I have to be the dance mom. I have to be the perfect professional. I have to be the best leader in the world. I've really given myself a lot of grace and creative structures and boundaries for myself. As an example, on the weekends, my daughter, you know, I, I don't carry my work phone. You know, I, I know that the people that need me can get me on my personal phone if it's an emergency, but I put up boundaries where I can be very present with my daughter and my family. It's very important to me. Now, I'm not perfect at this. My husband may tell you that I work too much still, and he's probably right, but I try really hard to create boundaries so I can have that balance because at the end of the day, as mothers and fathers, our, our children are picking up more than we think they are. They learn a lot from our behaviors, not just what we say. They do. They do. Very. Um, that hit me in my gut the other day. We're, we're with our kids. I have two boys and the little one was like, mommy, Hey, can you put down your phone and look at me? And I was like, Oh, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Stab me in my stomach. Oh yes. Yes, I can. Oh my goodness. It's funny. My employees all know my daughter is so funny. Um, so when I'm in the car, I'm like, I'll, I'll let them know, Hey, my daughter's in the back seat. She's like, hi, who is that? She, she knows <laughs> my team. Cause I want them to know I have a lot of young women on my team. I want them to know it's okay to be open. It's okay to acknowledge, Hey, I have, I have a daughter. I'm also a mom and a wife. You don't have to always be this perfect representation of the representation of yourself at work. You don't yeah. always to be that perfect example of professionalism you can also be a person it's like that um persona that we have in our minds like okay so I have on my crisp white shirt and my blazer and I'm uh-huh. like this is who I am at work and I've got it all buttoned up right yeah but really when people see all sides of you they see probably more of you and you know you're modeling that behavior for others and what a what a great example that you can, you can be all of those parts of you and still be a great leader. I hope that's my, that's my goal, Laura, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm far, and I tell my team all the time, I'm far, far, far from perfect. I just want everyone to realize that it's okay to be imperfect. Um, I think, I think that a lot of our careers are focused on everything being buttoned up and perfect. There's a beauty in making mistakes and learning as well, as long as that, 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 that learning mechanism is taking place. Yeah, absolutely. We were just talking about kind of modeling some of these behaviors. I want to ask you a couple of questions. You had mentioned that like others, you were lucky because others had seen, you know, something in you. Um, Can you tell me about those people? It seems like it was a mentor or a sponsor. Um, How did you get those in a career? And then my second question is, how do you do that for others now within your career? I have always been very aware of the people around me. Um, my mom always told me, you are who you associate with. And I remember when she didn't like one of my childhood friends, you know, now that I'm a mother, I totally get it. Right. But it annoyed me when I you know, knew everything. And I was 15 years old. <laughs> uh, uh, I have been very aware of watching the leaders around me that impressed me. And I have not been afraid to raise my hand and say, hey, can you can you teach me? Mm-hmm. I, I really respect 
the the confidence that you exude or the the uh, the awareness that you bring to the table during conversations so i've always been very open and raised my hand and asked for help or asked to be surrounded by those people i have also been incredibly deliberate about the circle that i put around me you know i don't want to i don't want to surround myself with people that don't hold the same value systems that i do um and it's almost selfish i'm almost very selfish about the circle that's around me so I would say to other women, if you see someone that impresses you, reach out and have a cup of coffee with them, you know, and learn from them. There's, there's things we can learn from everyone. Um, so that's one of the things that I did. And how do I do that for others? I always have an open door to anyone that works for me. But on top of that, I also had the blessing of being the chair for the women's initiative at Siemens called the Women's Network. And we, we created a coaching pyramid that what, what happened was, is it would call the pay it forward program. So we had a pyramid that grows every, every quarter and we add women and then it becomes the co the, the coaches become the coaches. Oh, how fun. To reach other individuals. But what's made me incredibly proud is we have had a lot of executive men support the program. So my mentor was one of the men that I have always been incredibly impressed with. And I asked him to be my mentor because he's always impressed me and everyone around him has always been incredibly impressed with him. But watching women get to touch others across the organization, up and down the organization has been a really awesome um, opportunity for me. You know, we're having service engineers um, surprise there are women that are service engineers and biomedical engineers and connecting them with sales. So we, so we are touching females, not just in our verticals, but across the organization. So it, it's been a great program. So in terms of how you align some of your values with your work. I think that's a really great example. And it feels like you do that through kind of mission-related healthcare, passion around diversity. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you lead with those values, how else they show up in your life and at work. So I love the example that you just gave um, of the mentor pyramid. That was great. How else does it show up? You know, I value... Um, compassion and integrity very deeply. Those are values that I hold very close. And I create this open forum with my team members and they know that they can come to me and they can say anything they want to me and it will be in a safe environment. I rolled out quotas yesterday and I've never met a manager in sales that rolled out quotas and everyone was happy. It just doesn't happen. But I was very, very proud of my team yesterday because they knew that I would have the compassion and they knew that when I told them it was safe, that I would have the integrity to hold that conversation safe. And some of them chewed me out. And then we laughed at the end of the call. But those are values that I hold very, very close. And my team trusts me. And, and I take that trust very seriously. As far as the women in my organization go, um, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a situation where we have, a, we have women, but we don't have a lot of women in, in our sales organization. And our, our company is doing a lot of great things to, to change that. And I, and I hope that I'm one of the individuals that's helping that change um, drive through the organization. But we have a very strong network of women in our zone. And I'm very proud that they, they come to us and they, they always openly tell me how they feel. And we have a conversation about it. And we talk about how we can support one another. And it's going to be a really awesome ride um, to watch this shift happen and to watch some of these amazing women find their footing and in, in to, in, in to soar. I hope I get to watch all of that. I love this idea of creating space um, for compassion. So in that example that you just gave about, hey, we're rolling out these quotas, 
and you know, like how the conversation might go, <laughs> is it basically anticipating like, okay, these might be unrealistic goals, but I have confidence in you. What are the, um, what are some of those sentiments that come up and how do you go from have a, having a complete open, open to the dialogue to then moving towards motivation? Yeah, I tend to be, and the people that work with me are going to laugh if they hear this. I tend to be incredibly data oriented, almost to a fault. And I tend to anchor everything on data to start a conversation to let them know, let me show you how I got to these numbers. Um, My boss often says, I want to make everyone equally unhappy with me. (laughs) You're being fair. You're spreading the, you're spreading the love. Um, And I tend to make it a very data oriented discussion. And I show them, this is how I got to the number. I actually provided a template that I gave to each one of them so they could see, this is what I'm looking at. This is your total funnel. This is how much of the funnel you would need to convert to hit your goals. Because I do believe that our goals are within reach. They may be more of a stretch goal, but there's nothing wrong with having something that's uncomfortable. And I also remind them that your number is also my number. We own this together. I tell you, I know my team probably laughs at me, tell them all the time. Selling is a team sport. Always has been, always will be. And if you're in the boat alone, you're doing it wrong. Um, you need to pull, you need to pull your resources into that boat with you because we all own this together. Oh, I love that frame up. And I love the, I love the data-driven decision making. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, people will laugh at me. They're like, oh, here comes April and her Excel spreadsheets. I'm definitely the nerd. So <laughs> love that. I love how you've given us some really specific examples of how you are living some of these values in your work through diversity, through mentorship. What advice do you have for others to model living their values at work? One of the struggles that I've always had is with my inner critic. It took me a long time to really understand that persona and to accept it. Um, I, I let that inner critic for a long time almost give me anxiety. Nothing was good enough. I questioned every piece of work that I put out there. And then I, I, through my coach, I realized that, you know, this inner critic, it's a narrative that I'm putting in my head. It's me. And the inner critic is great as long as I use it as a tool, but I can't let the inner critic take over. And what I would say for women is just take some time in a quiet room to be aware of your inner critic. Name your persona if you need to. But don't let that inner critic and those narratives that we feed to ourselves diminish your, your, your courage. And you, you don't let that to squash what you can be. I love that. And how do you know when you're inner critic, are there trigger points? I often, um, when I even get off of like a conference call, sometimes I can automatically hear, oh, you shouldn't have said it that way. You should have phrased um, your purpose in a different way. And it can be very beneficial to learn from yourself, right? And to play with that and to create a fun space for yourself to go, ooh, how would I do that next time? But if you're not going to play with it and make it productive, it becomes degrading. Mm-hmm. And you start losing, you know, you start losing confidence in yourself. And that's when it's bad. Yes. So I, I think that just being aware and, and really playing with it, I had a, I had a notepad. Um, for a week. And I was like, I was literally making tick marks every time an inner critic showed up. Oh, wow. And it was overwhelming. You would be shocked at how much we all do this. Mm. And it's that perfectionist in us. We want to be the best at everything we do. We want to be the best moms and the best wives. We want to be the Pinterest birthday parties. You know, we want to do all of this so well, you know, bringing that into work is good to a point. 
I love the data drivenness of you. You're like, I'm, t- I'm making, I'm, I'm cataloging this. I might put it into a spreadsheet. Um, uh-huh. ju- just as a, a, as a reflection of, wow, this is happening a lot for me. I know, um, when my inner critic is going too much because I'm ruminating about the same thing over yes. and over. And it's this loop that I have to stop. So I become aware of the loop and I'm like, oh, okay, um, we got to shut that down. We're not listening to that anymore. And the thing that happened that helps me the most is to um, write out what's the next action just to, mo- just to keep moving. Like, yeah. Spur to action. What's one thing I can do about this thing. And sometimes it's just writing it down and scheduling it out. Like, Oh, I, the next right thing is to do X, Y, Z. And I schedule it out. And I feel better about it. And then I can move on and kind of shut that loop down faster and other times as I coach women, I ask them, is this, is it true? Just that question. Is that thought true? Mm-hmm. Has anybody actually told you that? Like, it's like, is there data behind it? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause often it's, it's something that they're just worried about might happen and there's benefit to risk planning and all that kind of stuff. But if it's literally never happened, if somebody has um, not given you that feedback, it's all coming from yourself. Um, usually that question, is it true? Is usually no. <laughs> and then that is helpful to be able to move on to. Absolutely. It was like getting ready for this podcast and to speak with you. I was like, well, what if people think I just sound too Southern and I don't sound credible? What if I mess up and I don't articulate things the way I want? And in this morning, I was like, well, what if you do great? What if you just bring yourself and your you bring authenticity and you, you represent exactly who you are. What if that's what, what will resonate for others? That's exactly what will yeah. resonate for others. What if the opposite is true? Mm. What if and, the opposite is true is very, is a huge, yeah. huge motivator. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. And it's, it's, I wish I, I wish I could talk to my younger self and help her see this at a younger age, but here we are. At least I learned it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. At least we're learning. Like you said, we're still growing and learning. Always. Always. Um, And I think it's important for others to realize like, as you know, as we're further in our careers than others, it's like, we don't, we don't have it all together. We didn't have it all together then at all. (laughs) We might've tried to have that persona earlier in career, like, Oh, I am all buttoned up and all that kind of stuff. But to get there, you're continually learning. And the more that the the more I learn about myself and from other successful women and other uh, marginalized individuals, the more they feel safe to be themselves, then, then that's where their strengths are truly unleashed, right? Yeah. You're not self-monitoring. You're free to, um, to think creatively, to build relationships authentically, um, you're leading as yourself, um, and it's uh, it's freeing, and it's just a great model for others. I, I agree, and I, I will say, you know, the the cosmic waitress will bring you what is meant to be. And um, I've been reflecting a lot. I have been so lucky to land at an organization like Siemens. The leadership that I have today, and, and the the leaders before even at Siemens, they truly helped me become the woman that I am today, and I'm so thankful there are reasons that we take steps in our careers. There's reasons that we're around other people. We learn different diverse, uh, diversity of thought is also important, right? 
you know, take all the opportunities in front of you and um, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to get uncomfortable. I definitely have been uncomfortable a lot in my career. Yeah. And I I love how you mentioned, like, if you're super comfortable, you're probably not learning and growing. There's definitely a time and place for comfortable. I remember when I came back after having my first child from mat leave, and it was really great to be in a role that I already knew because, you know, life was very different (laughs) with my son. You were learning other things. Yeah. Keep a human alive. Yes, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So that was, that was great to kind of just understand and know, like not everything has to change all at once or not everything has to be uncomfortable, but kind of knowing uh, at what point, um, what needs to give and take is, is an important lesson has been for me throughout my career too. Agreed. And growth does not always come in the circle of being at work. I was talking to my boss about this a few weeks ago. It could be that you want to learn a new hobby. It could be that you had, you, you know, you're setting personal goals on, you know, the present time or the less electronics in your household. It doesn't matter what that growth looks like. There's so many different ways we can grow as individuals. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, modeling it is one of the most powerful ways to do that for your team. What other, any other advice that you would have for others and, you know, as, as leaders to really be there and champion others to live their values and their authentic selves? I think that creating that, you know, I talked about integrity, right? Mm -hmm. I think that showing people your authenticity and your integrity, that you really do mean what you say and creating that safe space with them and that relationship is a really good first step. Um, When I get a new employee, I try to understand them, get to know them as people. Um, what are their value systems? What do they hold true? What is important for them? I also really like to hire people that are very different from me. Mm. Um, because if you had a group of Aprils, it would be a scary world. We need, <laughs> we, we need different people with different backgrounds and different belief systems. I, I think that creating that relationship and that candor with your teams is so very important. Because when your team feels safe to come to you with anything, you know that their concerns are something that you will know about early. They won't fester inside of them and, and create fear for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I rolled out a quote yesterday and one of the individuals I had rolled it out to said, April, next year, they're going to look at my name on the board and think, what happened to him? What happened? He was at the top and now I'm not going to be at the top anymore. And I said, I understand your fear. He was sharing a fear. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I completely understand and hold that to be true. And I get it. And I also don't think one year um, makes her, you know, like one year and you're not at the top of your game at number one, you can't be number one every year. Right. Right. Um, but I was very proud that I had created the environment where he was able to share his fear openly with me. Yeah. Um, I just think having those relationships with your team is incredibly important and accepting that they may be different than yours. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Yeah. There's no better place to learn is from, you know, that safe space that you create and then you learn through that, through them, right? Maybe it's something you said that didn't land well with them, something that you just never thought of before, a better way of doing something. And because you created that, like you said, that safe space of dialogue, they feel comfortable telling you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It has been so great chatting with you today. I love it so much. 
Thank you, Laura, um, for having me. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So as we close out, we love to leave our listeners with a call to action. So I am going to ask you, what would you like our listeners to take action on today? I would ask the ladies that are listening um, to please be, take some time to know your inner critic and to um, love her, acknowledge her, but also don't let that inner critic take away your courage and your confidence. Mm, I love that. Identify those stories. Mm -hmm. Identify those stories. Maybe take a data different data driven approach like you did. How many times? Yeah, get up your tally marks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, well, I really appreciate your candor with us today, and you know, just all of the really great examples that you've shared. And thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed getting to know you more. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate the opportunity. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.